Okay. All right. So we watched the film Marty this week, which, of course, stars Ernest Borgnine as a very unconventional leading man. He wasn't ugly, but uh, we'll get there. I, I'm saying unconventional. I, okay. I don't think yeah. ugly. Sure. Ugly is your definition, not mine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jonathan, why don't you kick us off there? Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I got four of them this time instead of just the three. Uh, I'm going to be upset if I don't hear one name, but go on. Okay. So my first one's going to be Gene Wilder. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, he's not the most attractive. He's one of those guys where he looks good because he's fucking funny. Yeah. So uh, my next one is uh, Tilda Swinton. Oh, that's a good one. Like, she's a handsome woman. (laughs) She is. Oh, man. When she... When she was at Constantine, I yes. fell I fell in love immediately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um Paul Giamatti. Okay. I mean that's a good one. Yeah. And then the one that Paul, I think, assumed that I was gonna have is the love of my life, Kathy Bates. That's exactly who I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Terrific. She's a perfect woman, but yeah. unconventional. And you know, there was a, that scene in about Schmidt that happened. But you know, <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> All right, so those are mine. Very nice, very nice. Zach. Yeah. What what you got for okay. us? Well, I actually had Tilda Swinton on my list too, just because um, you know she's she does the androgynous thing so well, and you know, she did this photo shoot with David Bowie where where it's like <laughs> which one? They which? look like twins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But she's you know incredible, and you know if she's playing a role where she needs to look a certain way, she can look however the hell she wants, but yeah. Like yeah. when, like when she plays the super old lady in uh grand Budapest, <laughs> yeah. I feel like oh, she God. can morph into whatever you need her to be. And she does yeah. not need a lot of makeup to do that. Yeah. Nope. True. I also have, um, Francis McDormand. Oh, who, good choice. Yeah. She's incredible. Oh, she's so good. No, she's excellent. No Madland. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm almost ready for her to pick up a third Academy Award. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest his soul. He was going to be on my list, but I figured I'd give somebody one other easy one. That's a good one. <laughs> dummy, as the people oh. dummy, 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 dummy. <laughs> God. And then I tossed in um, Bill Murray. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, he was another one I thought of as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting one. An- another one who I think gets by on his charm and being funny. Yeah, but for sure. at the same time, I don't know. He has that like, I'm '80s good looking. Yeah. 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 I mean, as as he's gotten older, he's definitely become more distinguished. And yeah, no, no, have, he's aged like a fine raisin. But <laughs> as most of us could hope to. Yeah, yeah. So that's mine. I'm I'm gonna start by bringing up one I have probably brought up too many times on this show, but I feel this is the perfect show to do it, which is Peter Lorre. Yeah, uh, who of course was the star of the film M, which is one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a few of them in mind. Now they've fallen out of my head all of a sudden. I need to start writing these things down. <laughs> um. Michael Keaton's kind of a funny leading man. Yeah. Like when you get down to. Like, so, and don't hate me, Paul. Yeah. 
and I think we've had this conversation before, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, which is why I didn't think he made a good Bruce, Bruce Wayne. That's fair, but I like what he does with Bruce Wayne. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. he, he makes Bruce Wayne his Bruce Wayne. Yes. I just, when you think Bruce Wayne, you think billionaire, playboy, good-looking guy. Michael Keaton's right. not bad-looking. In fact, I think he looks better now. Right. But, yeah, I just, it was one of those things he's, where I don't... Yeah, he's he's really he's really rocking that Silver Fox thing. Like, Trial, yeah. Trial Chicago 7's kind of a dick bag of a movie, but <laughs> he is awesome in it, and when he shows up, you're like, God damn, that man's handsome. Yeah. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah, really. how did that not come up earlier? <laughs> I love Willem Dafoe. Oh, he's so good. He's yeah. so good. But he is a weird-looking dude. <laughs> Gangly. Gangly's the word yeah, I use when that, I see him. That's a good one. Oh, I watched... Um, oh, why is it leaving my mind? Was it uh, Wild at Heart? Is that the movie? <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, God, his teeth in that movie, but... <laughs> Oh, nightmare fuel, but he is amazing. Uh, and strangely, very handsome sometimes. Yeah. It, in a weirdly when, weird way, though. Like, especially it's, when he's got a beard. Yeah, it's it's real yeah. disarming when he shows up and you're like, yo, dude, when did <laughs> you get hot? <laughs> and then you see him in another movie, you're like, okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I want to throw a quick shout out to Marco Martindale. I don't think enough people talk about. I'm a big fan of famous character actress. Famous Margo character actress. <laughs> uh, now that she's spent all that time in jail. Yeah. Out in old Hollywood. No. Should well, I make, should I make more references to Bojack Horseman? <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm... I still need to watch that. It's really good. I, yeah. I hear the first season's kind of a, a rough yeah. watch, but after that, it gets really good. I, yeah, I, th- I agree. I think it tightens up through the season because they're doing, they have to do so much world building in the first season because mm-hmm. yeah. they're introducing such a bizarre concept. Sure. Yeah. But so I'd say halfway through the first season, then they start hitting their stride with their, they've got their comedy yeah, and, style kind of down. Then, yeah. And I don't even think the first season's a hard watch because it's just, you can you could feel them trying to get their legs under them, and by the time they do this, the first yeah. season ends in a really cool place. Yep. Uh, but there are just some episodes that are going to knock you on your ass. Oh, definitely. Fair enough. Yeah, I've, I've got some people who um, really suffered with um, mental health issues that had to take a break from the show because it gets yeah. pretty real. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't hold back. Right. But I love it. And uh, before we talk about a movie, Steve Buscemi needs more leads. Steve Buscemi would have been on this like list yeah. hard, but yeah, I did. <laughs> I did a look, and Paul came up with one movie that he directed. I, I mean, yeah, I didn't Boardwalk go. Empire, I was about to say Boardwalk Empire, a, but that's a show. A movie, oh god, yeah. but he's so good on it. I, I also didn't do like a dive into Steve Buscemi's IMDb. I, I did a little bit, and you know, when I think leads, I think something I'm going to recognize. Yeah, and there really wasn't anything there that I saw. Like that's that was just the film I pulled out of my brain. Yeah, because it's the one film I think of when people say, "Man, Steve Buscemi should 
be the lead in more movies. And I'm like, oh, Trees Lounge. All right, let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about him. beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast a show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what are we watching this week zach we're watching marty the story of a big-hearted fella who is facing pressure from everyone to get married but just can't seem to find any luck with the ladies is this everybody's first time watching this? Yes. Yes, it was. Oscar firsties! Oh, Yay! Yeah! <laughs> I haven't seen this either. So okay. I was very excited to watch one I hadn't seen yet. Cool. Because those are those are gonna start getting real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real hard to find soon. Okay, let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. Am I the only one that hears the DX theme now when I say that? No, no, you're not (laughs) at all. Uh, All right. Um, Here we are. It is March 21st, 1956. We handing out the awards for the year 1955. Our hosts are Jerry Lewis, who is using this ceremony of the Oscars to make his break from Martin and Lewis. Oh, um, all right. Uh, and he is hosting from the RKO Pantages Theater in Hollywood. And over on the New York side, because we're still splitting theaters, Claudette Colbert and Joseph Mankiewicz. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah. The big book of Oscar trivia I have said that uh, Jerry Lewis's energetic antics and one liners made the New York half of the broadcast look like a funeral director's convention. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, I read that and I laughed so hard. So I had to share it. Thank you. Uh, it is a weird night because 1955 serves as the coming out party and the saying goodbye to a one Mr. James Dean. Yeah. Yeah. James Dean. Stars in three movies. He apparently did some extra work on some other films, but was the lead character in, or a lead character in three films, all recorded before 1955. Two of them were released in 1955, and he dies in September. Yeah. Six months before the broadcast. So we still have yet to see Giant, which will be a Best Picture nominee next year. But um, East of Eden and uh, Rebel Without a Cause are released in 1955. Mm-hmm. Man, Rebel Without a Cause is such a good film. And uh, this is, and I'm, I'm going to read this verbatim out of the book as well. Uh, Grace Kelly was making her appearance as best actress presenter would mark her last few hours in Hollywood before jetting off for her final role as Princess Grace of Monaco. 
<laughs> so apparently she was like, here's this Academy Award. See you later. Okay. I'm glad she goes off to be Princess Grace instead of just dying like James Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Because she she only makes like nine or ten films in like a five-year span and goes to become Princess Grace of Monaco. I didn't know that. Yeah, her her filmography is really short, but man, well, did she she made she, says she died in Princess Grace Hospital. Did they name it after her? I I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jonathan Steve, Steve Buscemi was the lead in a 1993 film called Ed and His Dead Mother. I know that movie. So we're up to two films. Okay, two. But still seems seems criminally low. It does seem weird. But that's not what I'm focusing on right now. I just spotted that out of the corner of my eye and thought I'd bring it up. Now I can't stop looking at Grace Kelly. What did you do? You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So we have three films nom- that are the most nominated films of the night. Those are Love is a Mini Splendored Thing, the Rose Tattoo and Marty all at eight. Marty will become the most awarded film of the night at four. So best motion picture is Marty over Love is a Mini Splendor Thing, Mr. Roberts, Picnic, and the Rose Tattoo. Three of those movies have post uh, the posters have shirtless men hugging women. It's like Jonathan said. What did you call it? The- <laughs> pre-Nicholas Sparks white people people almost kissing. There you go. I'm going to say this. I watched one of those three movies and then just had no desire to watch the other two, so I think I watched (laughs) the wrong one first. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Marty wins Best Director for Delbert Mann, beating out David Lean for Summertime. Just want to bring up David Lean. David Lean. Because David Lean... Is the man. Uh, Ernest Borgnine wins Best Actor for Marty. Excellent. Nice. Uh, Beating out one, James Dean, who is the first actor who is posthumously nominated Mm -hmm. for East of Eden, not Rebel Without a Cause. Mm -hmm. And he also uh, wins over Frank Sinatra for The Man with the Golden Arm. So first he beats Sinatra to death. (laughs) And then he beats him for an Oscar. <laughs> Can I also just say, and then it sucks in my head. It's it, it's terrible. But every time I hear the title East of Eden, I think of the movie Exit to Eden. Okay. Which, if you know what movie that is. The one with Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. Yeah. Who was another unconventional leading actress. Yeah. <laughs> Did not need to see her on a stripper pole. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Anna Magnani. Magnani? I apologize. Oh, no. I don't know her. I, I'm not familiar with this actress or the... How to pronounce her name? Magan, Maganani? No, there's no A there. It's, it's M-A-G, Mag, N-A-N-I. Nani? Nani? Magnani. Okay. Anyway. So I, I mispronounced your name and I feel like a douchebag, but she wins for the rose tattoo. Um, Jack Lemon 
wins Best Supporting Actor for Mr. Roberts. Uh, Lovely. Beating out Joe Mantell for Marty, who played Angie. All right. Best Supporting Actress goes to Joe Van Fleet for East of Eden, beating out Betsy Blair for Marty, who was Clara, who was also um, blacklisted at the time for having communist sympathies. Yeah. Uh, but she was married to Gene Kelly, who apparently fought for the role on her behalf and uh, threatened that he would drop out of a, a film project that he was working on if she didn't get the role. Oh, <laughs> it's funny. Like, get my wife to play that dog woman. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's no go. Use her. <laughs> All right. Best screenplay. We're still in this era. Um, goes to Marty for Patty Chayefsky. Uh, best story and screenplay goes to Interrupted Melody. And best motion picture story goes to Love Me or Leave Me. Best documentary goes to Helen Keller in her story. I'm not sure I read that right. Helen Keller in her story? Her story of Helen Keller. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. She couldn't see it anyway. You better hope she didn't hear that. Yes! <laughs> All right. Best documentary short <laughs> subject. Which brings us to our podcast within a podcast. Walt Disney Oscar watch. All right. So Walt Disney wins. And for some reason, my tablet decided to go all the way down to the bottom of the page. Thank you. Now I have to scroll back for uh, Walt Disney wins for men against the Arctic. Mm. Um, I guess I'll go cover his other two. One of which is, uh, no, I'll, I'll just, okay. Best live action short subject. One reel is not part of Walt Disney Oscar watch. It goes to survival city, uh, but best live action short subject Two reel. Uh, he is nominated for uh, Switzerland, but loses out to the face of Lincoln. Okay. Now the battle of Gettysburg is nominated for both best documentary short subject and two reel. That's weird. That is weird. Uh, Lincoln heavy year, apparently. Apparently, um, best short subject cartoon goes. Uh, Walt Disney is nominated for No Hunting and loses to Speedy Gonzalez. I have to assume it's the first Speedy Gonzalez cartoon. I feel like we do need to ask how uh, Zach's wife feels about Speedy Gonzalez. How does she feel about Speedy Gonzalez? Uh, she's all right, uh, indifferent. I mean, he's a I think he's claimed by Mexico as an icon, so I'm not going to say he's super problematic. Yeah, I, I read <laughs> up recently or something like it was an attempted to cancel Speedy Gonzalez until Mexicans went, uh, no, no, we like him. He's cool. <laughs> he's he's pretty much a Mexican superhero. Like, yeah. yeah. And then Gabriel Iglesias, I guess, is voicing him, uh, Speedy Gonzalez, in the Space Jam movie. Okay. So uh, Ready Player 23. Yes. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm stoked for the movie now. <laughs> I I think the movie looks like a lot of fun, but exactly. I'm I'm not gonna waste a good joke. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, you were this is the first thing I thought of as well the second I saw the Iron Giant. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Best scoring of a dramatic comedy picture goes to Love is a Mini Splendor Thing. That's Alfred Newman. I don't know how many he's picked up at this point. Mm. Did you say that was best song? 
uh, best score of a dramatic picture. Oh, oh, oh. Because uh, he wins nine overall. Uh, he was the second most. He is the. He is currently the second most nominated after John Williams. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, best scoring of a musical picture goes to Oklahoma, which you have to say that way because there's an exclamation. Yes, yes. exactly. Uh, the best song goes to "Love Is a Many Splendored Thing" from "Love Is a Many Splendored Thing." I do actually really love that song, even though the movie was new. Whatever. Yeah. That. Yeah. The Sinatra version. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the Sinatra version of everything is the best version of everything. <laughs> Unless Tony Bennett does it. Who? <laughs> Death glare. I will fight you. I will fight you. I will. Look, on a, on a Disney Tunes movie ranking. Mm hmm. Frank Sinatra is Lion King one and a half <laughs> and Tony Bennett's like Lion King two. Simba's pride. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought you were at least going to say like goofy movie. And I was like, you know what? You're right. But no, you decided to choose violence today. So congratulations. <laughs> See, and I went with not a goofy movie. So that you didn't feel like I was making fun of a goofy movie. <laughs> no, I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> okay. He's in the Tony Bennett's an extremely goofy movie. I mean, <laughs> which is better than a goofy movie. I will fucking can't wait. <laughs> Three more months and uh, I'm in Virginia and someone's going to get kicked right in the taint. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, best sound recording. Goes to Oklahoma. Um, oh, I completely missed. The Tender Trap from The Tender Trap was nominated for Best Song, and that should have won. Because that was sung by Debbie Reynolds and Frank Sinatra. Oh. I'm sure I know that. I'm sure I know that song, but it's not coming to me. I'll have to listen to it later. It's it's a good song, and it's a good movie. I like that movie a lot. Cool. All right. Um Best Art Direction Black and White goes to The Rose Tattoo. Best Art Direction Color goes to Picnic. Oh, Marty was nominated for Black and White Art Direction. The Rose Tattoo wins Best Cinematography Black and White, beating out Marty. To Catch a Thief wins Best Cinematography for Color. Yay! Got some Hitchcock up in here. Beating out Guys and Dolls, one of my top three favorite movie musicals. Uh, best Costume Design Black and White goes to I'll Cry Tomorrow. Best costume design color goes to Love is a Mini Splendored Thing. Best film editing goes to Picnic. And best special effects goes, goes to The Bridges of Tokori. Samurai, The Legend of Musashi, receives best foreign language film. And uh, apparently there are just no honorary awards handed out tonight. So, you know, I'm, I meant to ask this question sooner in the podcast and I could have looked it up myself, but I didn't. Okay. Uh, the Academy of Awards and foreign films. How is really the only way they recognize films as of 1956 in the foreign language category? Like, I mean, obviously, because some, something didn't get nominated this year. Some things get nominated for stuff. Yeah. But okay. not normally like um uh in the screenplay category one of them 
uh, Best Story and Screenplay, uh, Mr. Hewlett's Holiday by Jacques Tati and Henri Marquette gets okay. nominated. But normally that stuff doesn't win at this point. Gotcha. Um, okay. Who, who are those people again? Uh, Jacques Tati and Henri Marquette. Beautiful. Would you like to ask again? Jack Titty, quit freshen it up. <laughs> uh, all right. This film is in the National Film Registry. Could you give me a year? Hmm. I'm going to go 2000. I was going to go oh, 2003. 1994. Really? Okay. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing, too. Mm -hmm. All right. 1955 films. So uh, the films that Marty McFly could have seen when he traveled back to hook up with his mom. Um, all know, that heaven. Huh? I've spent this entire time trying really hard not to do any Back to the Future. <laughs> well, good. Then you have succeeded. <laughs> but now the can's open. Yep, it sure is. All right. All that heaven allows. Day, bad day at Black Rock. Blackboard Jungle. Of course, the film that is famous for introducing us to the rock around the clock. East of Eden. Kiss Me Deadly. Man with the Golden Arm. Night of the Hunter. Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, One Froggy Evening, which is an animated short subject. And I believe yep, is a... Uh, Michigan J. Frog cartoon. Okay. The Phoenix City Story. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause, which was a 1990 entry. Huh. And that's it because Fort Chester starts 1956. Sort of. In a weird way. <laughs> a How did weird. Japan get it first? <laughs> It makes sense, but okay. I came in ready to be angry, but instead what I get to do is watch The Court Jester again next week. Zach, did you watch it yet? I did. It was my first time watching it, and it was truly wonderful. It is a delightful film. It is perfect. Could not possibly better be. Yes. But we're not here to evaluate that film. We're here to talk about Marty McFly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's talk about Marty here. So first thing, uh, Paul brought this up uh, earlier in the week. I think it might've even just been yesterday, uh, an hour and a half long movie. So it instantly gets at least half a thumb up for that. <laughs> yeah. so, thank you very much. It's yeah. that, that that's not to speak of the content. That's just the runtime was enough for yeah. me to go. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of a buck 30. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm I'm a little daunted right now because next week, if if yeah. I watch all the best picture nominees, <laughs> I have to watch Giant and the Ten Commandments, and that's like seven oh, hours of movie. <laughs> yeah, and so is so is the winner over three hours. Uh, is it? Is yeah. it really? It is. <laughs> I don't want to start it in pieces. Oh, anyway, God. we'll get there too. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about this movie here. Um, let's. God, and I hate saying Ernest Borgenine. 
because I think I get it wrong every time. It's Borg Nine because it's Borg. Borg Nine, which should be easy now that I think <laughs> about it. Yeah, you're a, a Trekkie, right? Um, so first off, not a bad looking guy. I'd like, yeah, a little chubby, sure, but that's it. Um, I, I wasn't sold on the not being a pretty enough guy, but I was also not sold on uh, uh, Gene Kelly's wife being a dog. Yeah. yeah. At all. A little they're, gangly, but not. They're what we refer to as Hollywood ugly. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're like a Hollywood too. Let's do that uh um, like that whole uh 30 rock bit where it's like, oh she's like a Hollywood too, which is like a New York five, which is like a Chicago <laughs> eight. <laughs> <laughs> As a movie, though, I I liked this movie. I thought it was very charming. It was a charming movie, mm-hmm. but it felt like what was the point throughout the entire thing. Like, I, I'm not saying every movie has to have a message. I'm not saying that there needs to be something deeper than what's in front of me. Mm. But this was like a couple steps above Napoleon Dynamite Pointless. <laughs> I don't know. Was that pointless? (laughs) I said there may be a few more steps, but it just felt pointless. Like, I yeah, I I think it's maybe one of those generational things. I mean, to me, it was uh, as much as anything, it was an analysis of the 1950s Americanized Italian family, like. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and get yourself an Italian bride and yeah. everybody get married. And I think I don't know, well, we got the rise of the the beat generation or whatever. And we got all these guys that are just hanging out and bachelors and societies looking at go get married. I mean, that's the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Why aren't, why aren't you married? Why aren't you having a family? And I think it's just like an observation on that, but it's like you said, there's not a whole lot of, plot beyond people having fights and dealing with family dynamic shit. Yeah. I I just they try to go deeper with like the mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of comes off like I mean if the mom would have died I I just kind of feel like the movie would have gained something from that. (laughs) Oh. But at the same time, I just, it's not that movie. So, maybe if the aunt died, I oh, know, fuck that lady. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I didn't care for her. But, you know, it, I mean, how many mobster movies have come out? Like, how many Italian mafia movies have come out at this point? I mean, it can't be too many. At this, like in 1955? Yeah. I don't think any, like, specifically italian ones have come yeah. out i mean you got your point. like you know what we just watched last week um the movie that i've already forgotten the title to um <laughs> on the waterfront on, on the waterfront front. thank you which is more of like a teamsters like heading that way sort of thing but not italian mafia so i was looking at this movie going okay i could see how this is kind of one of those hey this is not your usual Italian stereotype. This is what people should think thing because that's not really there yet. Yeah. I think it's just a nice slice of life movie. That's one of those like, Hey, there's 
there's someone out there for you. Just you just gotta find them. Gotta keep looking. <laughs> even though even though you're a fat guy with kind of buggy eyes that <laughs> works as a butcher and is 35 years old, you can still get you some. You're just gonna die playing a SpongeBob character, but that's okay. <laughs> Evil. But I, I I think that's the biggest problem with this movie is I spent a lot of this movie dissecting things that it had no intention of doing at all. No, because this is just like a Playhouse 60 that got turned into a movie. Yeah. This is and this is one of the the kind of originators of that trend that would spawn some much better films down the line. Yeah. Um yeah. Cause I had messaged uh, you guys earlier today talking about how it's funny to see unintentional representation of people on the autism spectrum, right? Where Marty very much has like these, and, and it's, I know it's not a, a term used anymore, but like Asperger's would be where a lot of people would recognize it from where he's just very like antisocial until somebody lets him into the people he knows he's very talkative. Like he's, always going Mm -hmm. but outside of his sort of comfort area just very quiet very subdued um and and just the way that he's portrayed in this movie i like that's what i was watching so it was really interesting to see that it was unintentional but it's just something i feel like that could be studied a little bit more right Mm -hmm. you know but it's the fifties, so he's not presented as autistic. He's presented as shy. Yeah, yeah, because that's what it was. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I liked Borgnine in this film a lot. Like I it, did too. Yeah, especially seeing him go from fatso to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a switch. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm familiar with you know the fact that actors should be able to play that kind of range, but just to have that kind of range and play them both. So yeah. believably. And yeah. Especially when you come from our generation and you pretty much know Ernest Borgnine is that guy from basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this, God, this movie is so hard to talk about because it's like, again, it's a good movie. And I like how you call it that slice of life movie. Cause that's exactly what it is. It's just, yeah. And I feel like it's hard to talk about because it's an hour and a half long and very few things happen. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I could literally, it's, Hey, guy can't get married. Guy goes out dancing. Guy sees chick guy talks to chick friends say, Hey, she's ugly. He goes, yeah, maybe she is. And then goes, Hey, she's not. <laughs> that is <I'm>, the movie. <laughs> I mean, you you get a you get a sense of how how much of a big heart this man has because he's he he's trying to take over this this uh, butcher shop that he's working in mm-hmm. because the the man who runs it wants to retire. And he's just like, well, I'm a butcher. That's just what I'm doing with my life. So I might as well keep doing that out of the kindness of my heart. And then he's introduced to the fact that Clara uh, is getting dumped off onto another person uh, after 
after her date for the night runs into a woman that he's more interested in and pays another human being five dollars to take her off his hand. <laughs> it's so gross. Yes. So Marty's just like, you know, that that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like there was some unnecessary and I don't know if it was there to put some sort of conflict in the film. Cause I feel like in a movie like this, you don't have to have conflict. Right. But the whole back and forth between her and the mom mm-hmm. kind of came off. Like it was going to be something bigger, but really the only reason why the mom kind of gave him shit at in front of the church was because of what her sister said. Exactly. So really the back and forth between those two, like that would have been enough. You know, and, and you get that parallel because the sisters run out of the house by uh, Marty's sister, sister-in-law, sister-in-law, sister-in-law who, yeah. Okay. So it's, Marty's, it's the mom's sister. So it's like his cousin. Yeah. So, so the sister-in-law is just having trouble with the mom butting into her raising her child. So she's like, she needs to cut out of her house. So you get this interesting parallel where that the mom's sister is warning her of how terrible it's going to be for her. If Marty gets married and how she's going to get run out. And so you get that, that small little tete-a-tete between the two of them where it's kind of a, Oh, is this going, is this just the first chip before i start to break this relationship with her yeah yeah so she tries to run her off before it becomes a thing yeah Yeah. um the sister also gave me so many uh olivia soprano vibes (laughs) like i was i was half expecting her to say who was a saint talking about her dead husband zach seems like he has something to say but i've got something to add to that as soon as he's done oh i was just going to comment on the uh Oh, I think the a couple of her lines probably from parallel to the Sopranos. Is that what you're? No, 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 no. I have I have a completely different note. Go on. I don't know if um like the line where she's talking about oh I was talking to so and so it's awesome and so he died and like that whole kind of exchange. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that either referenced or or quoted somewhere. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, so like I said, this was the Playhouse sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who played? Uh, Marty and Clara. Well, I'm guessing it must have been Mama Soprano and Uncle June. Well, it was uh, it was Rod Steiger, but yeah, uh, the nice. actress who played Livia Soprano played Clara on nice. in the Playhouse. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> awesome! So funny you said that. <laughs> um, I was trying to look up her name before I got. Before I answered that, but I feel bad I don't remember her name all of a sudden. Hmm. Uh, Nancy Marchand. Okay. Yeah. I I think um, that was one of the things. Like I didn't really feel it believable that you know she's so concerned about Marty getting married, and after a few minutes of talking to her sister, yeah, that. I don't know, but I get that, you know, family manipulation and the behind the scenes drama and gossip. It's nice to know that it's not nothing new and 
always happening and well and the thing is i feel like the sister makes good points in a very depressing way yeah (laughs) like hey we're of a generation of women who only know how to raise kids that's what we did and we know how to cook and when you have nobody to cook for you you weren't just raised for this. This was your life, and then they're all gone. What do you have? Right. College girls are one step from the street. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to type. One step from the street. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, I will say, um, Paul, you mentioned you know kind of being a predecessor of some some better movies down the road. I I kind of got some of like the before trilogy vibes from from them just walking around talking to each other i was like yeah the, the conversation isn't nearly as stimulating but <laughs> but i was like you know this is kind of like kind of like that kind of thing and it's cool yeah uh that was probably one of my absolute favorite parts of this movie is just him walking down the street just <laughs> rambling at her and then yeah. like it just constantly saying and there I go again. I can't believe I just keep talking. Anyway, so my mom made me some spaghetti last night. I know I can't believe I'm doing it again. Oh, mama mia. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like, this movie, it's, this is a better than meh movie. Yeah. It was sweet. It, it, I, that, it, I really enjoyed it. And I, if it was longer, I don't know if I would have. Yeah, I will say, and I liked how it ended too. Um, yeah. I will say that I I mostly absolutely love this film uh, because it yeah. made me feel like I was watching a Frank Capra film. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it does, it's not the quality of Frank Capra and it doesn't have the zippiness of a Frank Capra film, but it just had that like, I don't know. I'm mostly like the you can't take it with you vibes. Yeah. Whereas like here's here's a couple of offbeat people that you wouldn't really think to pay too close attention to. Yes. But here's how they function and here's their lives. And well, yeah. and, and especially when they bring in like uh, Marty's friends, like especially like that last one with them where they're just kind of chilling at his house with the one guy who's reading the same porn the entire freaking movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just a bunch of guys who are just unconventional guys, like just your like C tier guys. That's all that they are. And even Angie, though, comes off super fucking creepy. I did not like that character at all, but I felt he was necessary. Like I was happy he was Marty's best friend. Right. Um, Because because they even give him his little like like. C plot throughout the entire movie, especially like when he's at the when when Marty finally goes out with Clara, he's like, "Where'd my friend go?" He's just roaming around, yeah. roaming around the dance, like, where, "Marty, where you at?" He's just like yeah. going around New York, like, "Hey, where's my friend?" And just happens across him at a bus stop. So I, I just I liked that. I really did because, like you said, it, it kind of brings a group of people that aren't represented in Hollywood and just gives us that and that is fun to see yeah yeah i could you know identify with it too as a chubby kid who didn't have any luck with girlfriends really until i 
met my wife, it's like, it's obviously a different thing looking at a 35 year old who who's feeling like his years to get married is running out. But you know, as far as that vibe, I appreciated it. Yeah. I was going to wait for you to start cracking on yourself. And I was like, you are a gorgeous man. No, I, so. now I'm a <laughs> fireball of hot beauty, but it's true. Back then I, I was a little mush ball in the corner. Yeah. No wonder my dad left me. <laughs> and now, now he's crying in his beer. Cause it is hot. Zach 2021. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So any other notes, gentlemen? No. No, I, I just think this is a, a cute little movie, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And I, watch, like, uh, I watched it on Pluto TV, which is free, so you can go on there and put it on, watch it. It flies by. Well, I think with how we've talked about the movie, I think it is a really good question this time for Zach to answer. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? So that's the thing. Like I'm after I watched it, I was like, okay, fine. But no, I don't think it's best picture caliber. Um I I feel like the nominees overall were kind of weird and weak and there was a lot of things missing that could have been nominated. Um I mentioned that I watched Mr. Roberts and it kind of made me mad. Jonathan, you said you have a strong bias. No idea what you guys were talking about. I thought you were talking about Mr. Rogers for some reason. Oh, okay. That's why I got pissed off. <laughs> I love Mr. Rogers. Okay. Uh, I thought I thought maybe you had some connection. Literally with... clicked 20 minutes ago when we first brought up Mr. Roberts. Okay. There's 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 only one reason I I would ever I, I was ever mad at Mr. Rogers. That's because he died on my 19th birthday. Oh. Oh dude. Yeah. <laughs> why i don't celebrate my birthday anymore <laughs> yeah that's why <laughs> well <laughs> damn well yeah well mr rod mr now i'm gonna say mr rogers <laughs> <laughs> mr roberts was a confused movie it, it uh was like part so serious part comedy jack lemon was great though um anyway i so i wouldn't have given it to that either um I watched most of Love is a Mini Splendored Thing, and I, I didn't watch the other naked William Holden movies. Or, I, yeah. And Burt Lancaster, although he looked handsome. <laughs> um, I would have liked to have seen Rebel Without a Cause or East of Eden nominated. I watched Rebel Without a Cause for the first time completely last night, and I really enjoyed it, though some of the editing really grated on me, and it hasn't age super well i yeah. don't think um so to answer the question finally i don't think it deserved best picture i would have given it actually to east of eden although it's eliza kazan he just won for on the waterfront and it's a very similar kind of theme movie to uh from here to eternity but it did win it won the golden globe and it won at the Cannes film festival so it's odd that it wasn't even nominated to me so that's my long answer fair enough um, I'm going to give a short answer. I also say no. Um, and I mean, there are a couple of movies I've seen from this year. Uh, the Seven Year Itch came out in 1955, mm -hmm. um, which I do feel is a better movie. Um, 
Oklahoma I've seen as well, but I fucking hate Oklahoma. <laughs> what? But it's where the wind comes sweeping down the plains, Jonathan. Sure does. <laughs> the waving wheat, it sure smells sweet when the wind comes right out through the rain. Jonathan! You feel better? No, okay. I don't. Cool. <laughs> um, but as much as I enjoy this movie, no, I don't feel like this is a best picture nominee. I, yeah. I feel like it's a good movie to go see if you got an hour and a half to kill. I'd maybe even go see this in a theater if I lived during that time. And I, somebody said, hey, there's this movie about a guy. You got an hour and a half? And I go, yeah. <laughs> but that's all I see this movie as. I just don't think it's that good. Yeah. So that, that's my Paul. I think this is a sweet and cute film. And I really enjoyed myself for the hour and a half. Um, as I said, I didn't watch Picnic or The Rose Tattoo. I just did not care enough to watch them, which is something that I don't like saying often. Yeah. I just kept looking at the pictures and going, uh, <laughs> no thanks. Um, and again, that might come from the fact that I watched Love is a Mini Splendored Thing, which is a very bad film. <laughs> One that, as Zach said, I did not finish. I could not finish. The immediate, the immediate knowledge that it's a film about how we need to have better race relations and <laughs> it should be okay to love people of other races when you whitewash the lead actress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of mixing signals there. Like, that'd be like, if uh, Robert Downey Jr. from Tropic Thunder played Mahershala Ali's part in Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> would that have made the movie better? It, it definitely would have made the movie better, yeah. but, <laughs> but for probably all the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, and then I, watched, I also watched Mr. Roberts, which I, I thought was good i liked it uh especially holy shit what a top four above the line mm. like <laughs> like cagney was chewing on some scenery there. oh cagney was <laughs> wonderful oh god he just ate he he was just taking whole parts of that ship and shoving them in his mouth <laughs> it was wonderful uh lemon was great and mm. uh uh fonda i love I love Fonda. Henry Fonda is yeah. just one of my guys, like yeah. all time guys. And then the great Ziegfeld himself, William Powell. It was nice to oh, see yeah, him in yeah. another movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe that was his last movie because he started uh, mentally degenerating after that. That's depressing. That is depressing. Um, so having only seen two other ones, I guess I'll... Uh, go on about how much I love Rebel Without a Cause. Uh, I didn't rewatch it this week like Zach did, so I can't speak to how well it holds up or not, but I know I love it. Um, there's a couple other down near the bottom. Oklahoma. I guess I'm with you, Jonathan, even though I went on that dramatic tangent. Oklahoma? Okay. <laughs> okay, Homa. <laughs> Uh, Guys and Dolls is one of my all-time favorite movie musicals, and that probably would have been the yeah. film I would have given yeah. Best Picture to, but they didn't nominate it, even though it's incredible. Mm. Um, 
Nathan Detroit, still one of my top five. I really want to play that role on stage characters. And I think I'm running out of time to play it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's all I really want to highlight. But I really like Marty and I got to agree with you guys. I, I don't think it deserved Best Picture. Yeah. And I don't think this happens a lot where we get a movie that's not bad. It just. I I actively think this is a very good movie. Yeah. Like, I can't say that there was a part of it I didn't enjoy. It just, when I finished watching it, I, I didn't feel like elated or. Yeah. Or taken on emotional journey or anything. I just, I was like, I really enjoyed myself. And I think that movie is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, I, and I think it's a movie for everybody. It's just, yeah. there's nothing special about it. And I think I, that's the point, though, is the fact that there is nobody special about it, too. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could be, you know, we're criticizing the point of the movie or I really keep trying to put a point to the damn movie. <laughs> not there. <laughs> Through this podcast, you know, I've been I'm still a very big collector of physical media as aged as that is. Um, I'm like if, after we watch a movie and I don't if I don't already own it, I'm like, OK, maybe I want to add this to my physical collection. And then there's been probably a dozen or so that I've said yes. But this one is one just like, OK, I've seen it. I don't feel like I need to see it again. It's not something I'd sit down and read. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I'm surprised that it's in the um, Library of Congress. But, you know. Well, and that's why I gave it such a late year, and I think you did as well, is just the fact that it's really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it could mm. just be just on Ernest Borgnine by himself. Could be. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, all right. So let's go ahead and ask that last question. Uh, Paul? Yes. Is this the worst best picture? No. I, I don't think even close. Um, I have it sitting at number 14 between Wings and The Lost Weekend. Uh, and Jonathan, you'll be happy to know that Gone with the Wind has dropped to my number 16, and it is in the bottom half of my list currently. Nice. <laughs> Although Current. I'm still bothered by how high up Wings is. How high? Like, like, like how bigger number it have. Oh, because English is my best good language. Yeah, I, I, I still do love Wings, and it holds a very special place in my heart, but... Actually, there's 12 movies better than it. That's fair. Um, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. No, this does not deserve our wait. Try again. <laughs> um, no, this is not the worst best picture by any stretch. Um, is like I'm running out of my top half, so <laughs> like it's it's hard to beat what was there. Um, but yeah, it'd probably be sitting in about the same spot as you, Paul. I really need to watch the Great Ziegfeld so I can do the list completely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, is this the worst best picture? No, it's my number 16. I think I, I need to have my list with me next time. But yeah, 16 out of what is this number 28? 28. Yep. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's in the middle of the pack. Right. Um, also, I forgot to shout out Night of the Hunter. I watched that for the first time. That movie is crazy. Very uh, highly recommend that. And Smiles of a Summer Night, Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I think that's where we're going to call it here, guys. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me at Altorn underscore Occam on Twitter and TikTok and Twitch. All three T's. Didn't ever thought about that. Um, yeah. Twitch.tv Altorn underscore Occam. I'm going to start doing that again here soon. Yay. Yay, Zach. Awesome. Where are you at? Find me on Critiker at Zachmaster with an X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, where I put my short movie reviews or on TikTok, Havoc House. Well, no, House Havoc. Which am I? <laughs> House Havoc. I'm going to start trying to promote the podcast on there, too. I'm going to try to come up with something. Yeah, I'd bring it up, but my mind's just me showing my child. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll get some people. My, mine's me going insane these days. I like it. You can follow follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd at Father of the Fear across all platforms. And be sure to follow me on Letterboxd so you can see my rankings of the movies. Yeah. Uh, And what are we watching next week, Zach? Next week, we are watching... Around the World in 80 Days, which you can rent on Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, or Vudu. And it's over three hours long, so get ready. So if you watch <laughs> Around the World in 80 Days, what is the Ten Commandments and Giant, that's almost 10 hours. No, I'm going to have a fun week. <laughs> Don't, no. I, I love Giant. I can't wait to watch it. I've never seen it, so I'm excited. Oh, please. Yeah, I, I, I've been talking about Giant for a while on this podcast now, and I, I can't wait for you to see it. Yeah. All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at OscarWorstyPod and on Facebook at The Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. <laughs> Jonathan and Zach, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>